Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Devin McCoy, and this is the Dirt Bike Journals. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dirt Bike Journals. Sorry it's been a minute. I know I keep saying that every freaking time. Sorry it's been a minute. But honestly, sometimes things are just out of your control. Can't can't control it. Anyway, um, today's episode, the YZ250X from hell. Or maybe not. Maybe not. So how did I get started with the YZ250X? Um, Robert... Muir, if any of you listen to the episodes, have heard him a couple of times on, on the show. Uh, he had a YZ125X, and uh, I got to ride that thing a little bit, and that was a super fun bike. I really liked his Yamaha YZ250X, or YZ125X. Um, really nimble, really uh, just really fun to ride. Um, and I loved the ergonomics of the bike. I felt like going from what I was on, which was that GPX Moto 250, uh, TSE 250 R, um, that was a fun bike to learn to ride on. But the YZ125X just had a little bit more there as far as the ergonomics, how the bike felt underneath me. It felt like a mountain bike coming from that bike, from the, the TSE to this one, felt totally different. Um, felt a lot skinnier getting on the Yamaha. Um, but more than anything, I think it had to be the suspension. Oh my goodness. The suspension on the, on the Yamaha, especially on the YZ was just phenomenal. Um, and I'd been on a couple other things. I'd been on a, a Husky TE 300. I've been on the, uh, the KTM 300 XCW and they were, they were great bikes. Uh, I just, I never felt in control on the bike and people will say, well, you're on a 125, of course you felt in control. It was a little bike. It really wasn't a little bike. If you got after it and you were wringing its neck, like you were supposed to, that bike had potential to really, uh, really get away from you. But it was, it was how the bike felt planted. And when you would hit obstacles, the way it reacted, um, even the bike not being set up for me, uh, Rob and I aren't exactly totally different when it comes to weight. And, and how we like to ride and feel and how things handle. But just the way the suspension absorbed and, and, and reacted to different obstacles felt much more comfortable to me than any of the other bikes I'd been on. So I really liked the idea of a YZ. Then, if you've listened to any of the episodes, I came across this beat up piece of garbage WR250 from 1992. It was a it was a seriously abused bike I found in uh, a buddy's, uh, uh, what would you call it? It was a storage unit that he got in an auction. And uh, I told him what I think it would take to fix it up. He said, well, do you want it? I bought it for 200 bucks, and uh, got the thing running, turned it around. And the suspension on that was also really good. The ergonomics of the bike felt really good, even though it was kind of a little bit wider bike and it was a little bit more like that TSE again um that YZ motor and the suspension just spoke to me it felt really good I liked it a lot so uh Robert starts talking to me about this YZ250X I'm thinking all right 250 that's probably the good a good uh motor range for me uh it's 
manageable, especially in the weight coming from that TSE that was, she was a bit of a pig at, uh, what was it? 267 pounds dry. Then you put the fluids in her. You're somewhere around 278, 280. That was a heavy bike. Even though the two stroke felt super nimble, picking it up off the ground a few times on five miles of hell just, uh, kind of did me in. I wanted something lighter and I wanted more power behind that weight too. So the power to weight ratio on the YZ250X was right where I wanted to be. Um, so I started looking, I started, I found myself scrolling on Facebook marketplace on the uh, classifieds and sure enough, I found this YZ250X super clean and it was an okay price. So I looked at, <laughs> looked a little bit further down the ad and it's clear out in the middle of Colorado and I'm in Northern central Utah. So I was thinking, dang it, you know what? It'd be kind of fun. It's a road trip in my mind. I'm like, great, that'll be cool. But the logistics, when I start really breaking it down, I'm thinking, well, I got to find time to drive all the way out there. It's five hours away. I got to drive five hours back. I got to leave my family. And uh, yeah, just, it started to seem a little bit less of a, of an opportunity. So, uh, I talked to my wife about it and she's like, well, if, if you think that's the right bike that you want, go get it. So I figured out a time and, uh, scrounged up the cash, grabbed Rob, and this guy happened to be going out riding just close to the border of Utah and Colorado. Actually, it was in Utah a little bit, so he saved me two hours of driving one way. So saved me four hours on the whole trip. So I met him out somewhere in uh, just this side of uh, the Utah border. And uh, we got there... A little bit early, the guy went out with his buddies to ride, left the bike in the back of his truck. And so we were monkeying around with it in the back of his bike while they're out riding. Um, and we uh, were just kind of messing around with it, got it started a little bit. And the uh, the guy shows up and uh, we pull the bike out and we're talking to him a little bit. And that's when I had my first red flag on this bike. Now, first red flag probably would have been the dead shifter. I couldn't find neutral very well. And I thought, well, maybe it's just the transmission. You know, it's a, it's a much smoother transmission. I don't feel that hard click like I did on my other bike. Um, so, yeah, I, haven't, I had a hard time finding neutral. And the shifting felt kind of mushy. I didn't know what gear I was in. And when I would uh, go and test ride it, I'd start out in what I thought was first gear, but dang, it felt super tall. Um, so, uh, the test ride was kind of iffy, but the bike itself ran pretty good, had tons of power when I was getting on it and, and out riding. I liked it. Felt really good. Um, I thought, you know, it's, it's a Yamaha. It's a different bike. It's a different gearbox. Maybe, maybe it's all okay. Uh, red flag number two, I could not start it while in gear with the clutch pulled in. And the guy said, well, what bike have you ever been on that you could, what two-stroke have you been on that you could start in gear? And I was like, well, my old one. <laughs> so that was my other red flag is that I couldn't start the bike in gear. Um, and I didn't really think much of it. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe he knows what he's talking about. The next one was, it was a comment that the, that the seller made offhandedly 
was that he was selling the bike for his brother, who was the owner. And I should have asked. And I said, like, well, why is he? He said that he was selling the bike to get a newer model of the same bike. And I thought to myself later on, this didn't occur to me. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. That's cool. He wants to upgrade. When I started to learn about the bike a little bit more, there were no upgrades from 2018 to 2021. Like maybe some plastics changed. But that's not a reason to sell a perfectly good bike, right? So <laughs> I uh, I get it home and this bike is impeccably clean. I mean, I can't describe to you how clean it was. It looked like it came off the showroom floor. Um, I start, uh, I start looking over the bike and... Okay, okay, quick. Before we move on from that, uh, as we're driving away uh, with the bike in my truck, we've done the deal... Rob then admits to me, he's like, dude, I totally wheelied that bike out. <laughs> so he was around the corner somewhere behind some rocks and he just gave it the juice and wheelied up into the air. He was at 12 o'clock and his feet came off and he said he was chasing the thing, trying to keep it up and finally caught up with it and rolled it off to the side. I thought that was pretty funny that the uh, the first uh, first guy to wheelie the thing over was my buddy that came down to test ride it with me. Um, so anyway, I get at home and I start to find trouble. It won't shift into gear without stalling. So I've got it in neutral, start the bike up, let it warm up. People are like, ah, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a YZ250. You got to let it warm up. It's super cold blooded. So I let that thing warm up for 15, 20 minutes. It was, it was hot to the touch and the clutch fiasco, uh, let's start with, uh, tearing the bike apart. So, um, I open up the clutch cover and at first I'm looking at it. I'm like, Hey, these plates look fine. You know, nothing, there's, there's no wear on them. The, the, the cork plates still look pretty good. The metal on the plates looks really good. I'm thinking there's, there's nothing wrong here. So there's gotta be something else. And as I'm putting the, the plates back in, they hang up a little bit and I, pull the plates back out and I look and that basket if you've ever seen a pair of those uh those scissors that kids use to make crafts and they have the zigzag edge on them that's basically what the edges of this clutch basket looked like they were so worn and and uh, notched that it was like if I could measure it it was probably a 32nd of an inch of groove all the way down for each level of plate in this clutch basket. It was totally destroyed. There was, there, there was totally why my clutch was hanging up and it would slam into gear. And yeah, so I was all kinds of problems with the clutch basket right there that I needed to solve. So I get on Rocky Mountain ATV and I order a Wiseco. No, it was a Pro X. It was a Pro X clutch basket um, but it did not come with the primary drive pre-pressed. That was mistake number one. Um, so I pull the old clutch basket out and I have to press the, uh, the primary drive out of mine. So I do that. And of course it destroys the old clutch basket. So I have nothing to go off of. And I should have done this before. I should have looked at it to see where that ring or the, uh, the primary drive pressed into the inside of the the clutch basket to see how that what that depth was. I didn't do that, so that was uh, mistake number two. 
So um, now I'm pressing the primary gear, primary drive gear into the clutch basket. And I have a, a mechanic neighbor of mine that has a big press. He had an eight ton press and it calls for four tons. So I thought, you know what, we're going to be fine. We'll start pressing it. Once we reach the bottom uh, of it, we'll be, we'll be golden. So he presses it in and it goes all the way down and we hit the, uh, we hit the end of the knurling and now we're to the actual teeth, not the teeth, but the, there's basically a shoulder on the primary drive. The primary drive stops and we turn over the clutch basket and I am a, at least a 32nd of an inch shy of being on the inside of that clutch basket where the, um, basically this washer has to go in and separate the clutch basket from the primary drive, uh, sprocket. And if you don't have that separation, you're basically sandwiching your clutch hub into your clutch basket. You're just making them one, one whole unit. So they don't free spin individual from each other. So I go to put it all together and that's how I discovered that that was the problem is that I didn't have that, that gap. At, at first I thought, well, maybe that's okay. So I put it all back together. No, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get the clutch to disengage once I put it all back together. So tear it all apart again and I take it back to Rocky Mountain. I said, look, here's the problem. The primary drive doesn't come all the way through. So I don't know if the manufacturing was done wrong on this particular model. And after talking to a few people at Rocky Mountain, there had been a couple of instances where that was the case. The machining wasn't done correctly, so the Pro-X basket didn't work with the primary primary gear being pressed in. So uh, they hooked me up with another basket. So, okay, good to go. Go back, and I go to another mechanic. Uh, the other guy was busy, so I go to this other mechanic, has an even bigger, nicer press, and we get it in there super straight, nice and nice and plumb, and we start pressing that thing down in there. And again, it hits the end of the knurling right down onto the shoulder of the gear, and it stops. And he says, I'm bottomed out here. I'm at four tons. <laughs> this was a 50-ton press. He's like, I can make it fit, but it might not look pretty at the end. I said, well, let's let's stop. So it was the same exact result. The uh, The gear wouldn't press all the way through the clutch basket. And at this point, I was I was at my wit's end. I was so frustrated. Um, so I go back to Rocky Mountain and I talk to the uh, the main uh, returns guy. I said, "Look, this is the second basket I've done this to. There is just something not working here. I haven't done it wrong. I've had two different mechanics look at this, and you can't press this. There's there's no no way to get this any further in." So we uh, we talk about it for a second. He said, "Look, I'll try to get." I'll try to get a refund on this from Pro-X. We'll see what happens. And you know what? Pro-X stepped up. I got to hand it to them. They didn't make a bad product. There was just something funky between the 250X and this particular clutch basket. Wasn't working out. But they stepped up and they gave me a refund for that one. And I went ahead and got a Wiseco uh, clutch basket with the gear already pressed in. So end of story. Clutch basket done. That's all put to bed. Then I still have the problem with the, uh, that shift, uh, the, the, the mushy shifter felt like it was dead. Like it wasn't returning back to, 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 I guess what you'd call, uh, neutral or center. So I start monkeying around with it. I've got the clutch cover all off. I got the whole 
whole case, the whole cover is, is completely off. And I'm getting up underneath this thing with a flashlight and I'd been looking on Thumper Talk and my goodness, God bless Thumper Talk. That, that, uh, source for information was pivotal in making this bike become what it is now. Uh, so many people get on there and talk about their issues and their problems. And it's mostly pretty well documented that I can search for something and Thumper Talk, bam, just like that comes up with it. And that's what happened. Two or three threads in, I found what was going on with my with my shifter. The shift shaft torsion spring had fallen off of this little tiny retainer piece, this metal retainer, and was not bringing the shifter back to center. Um, so that was problem number one. So I get that torsion spring fixed. I just decided to replace the whole thing. I pulled the shift shaft out, replaced the spring, the collar, the shift shaft, and it's all good to go. So the shifter feels good. It's doing what it's supposed to. But now that I'm actually out riding the bike, testing it at high speed, putting it under load, it's kicking out of gear. So I'm, my heart just, just sinks. I'm just like, well, I bought a total piece of garbage here. Guy said it was well-maintained, had a brand new top end, everything's good to go, and it's a piece of junk. So I'm getting super frustrated. I'm asking Rob what he thinks, and he's kind of stumped. We're not sure what's going on. So finally, I, uh, I'm tearing the motor apart, and I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm basically disassembling the motor. I'm pulling it out of the, out of the frame and everything. I'm going to tear it apart, and I'm going to rebuild the transmission because I'm thinking, okay, the dogs are are uh, are probably stripped or worn down, and they're slipping out. They're not biting inside the the other half of the transmission where the dogs slip into. And uh, I decide I get this moment of inspiration. I call my friend Brett, and Brett White, Castle Valley Mechanics, is a phenomenal mechanic. If you're ever in Utah and you need something done on your bike, your side by side, whatever it is that's a power sport vehicle. Brett is the guy. He knows so much. So he's talking to me and he says, well, you know what? Why don't you send it down to me? Bring me the motor and I'll tear into it. Like I, I says, he says, I love the YZ gearbox. I think it's fantastic. There's no way this is just a junk gearbox. There's something wrong here. So I take it down to him and uh, he calls me up and he said, hey, uh, about two minutes in, I think I found your problem. And I was like, wait two minutes in. So you haven't split the case. You haven't looked at anything yet. He says, Nope. So he sends me a picture and there is a stopper lever. This, that's the official name of this thing, the stopper lever, um, which is basically a lever that has a bolt in the middle and then a spring attached to the shift shaft. And the other half of it attaches to the shift star or the cam drum, I guess you could call it. So anyway, that little lever, once you lift it and let go, brings the uh, this stopper lever back down onto the drum and keeps it from shifting left or right or counterclockwise and clockwise. Um, and that, there was a bolt when this lever was apparently pulled out for some reason, maybe it was replaced, but that bolt was put on and it has a shoulder that that lever rides on and... It was pinching the whole lever against the case or against the motor. And 
it was not seated on the shoulder of the bolt. So he pulled it out, realigned it, put the bolt back in, done. Problem solved. Got the motor back, put it all back into the bike, and the bike ran like it was brand new off the showroom floor. It was phenomenal. So after that, you know, <laughs> I rode it for a little bit, discovered that the forks are leaking terribly. So I rebuilt the forks. That's not a big deal, but still it was kind of a pain in the butt. I didn't want to have to deal with that. Um, so everything's pretty much all fixed. So lessons learned here. If you see something, say something when you're buying a dirt bike, when you're buying a used dirt bike, it doesn't hurt to ask about something that seems off or not quite right. Um, <clears throat> and self-wrenching. Okay. Maybe that sounds a little, little off. Maybe not that word doing your own maintenance, you know, <laughs> um, whatever self-wrench. Uh, take some pride in, in working on your own bike and getting to know it. Cause now I know that bike basically inside and out. Um, don't let pride get in the way of, of a great bike, you know, lean on your friends and let them help you and guide you as, you know, with Robert and Brett and a couple of my other friends, you know, I, I picked their brains about a couple of things and eventually I came down to what the problem was by relying on some of my friends that way. So anyway, the YZ250X, phenomenal bike. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it right now. So that's it. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope I didn't drone on too long with a monotonous voice talking about that YZ250X. But this, this uh, story was really about the journey of buying a used dirt bike and figuring out what's wrong with it and making it the bike you really hope it was when you bought it. So anyway... Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, stay tuned. Next episode are going to be Mods with Rob, where we're going to both talk about our now twin 250Xs. Uh, Robert just bought a 22 250X. I have an 18 250X. And uh, we're kind of going to town on the mods. And Rob has some pretty sweet mods put on his bike that we're going to talk about a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please help the Dirt Bike Journals grow by leaving a review and subscribing. And if you or someone you know has a good story and would like to share it on the podcast, please send me an email to thedirtbikejournals at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening. See you next time.